Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. According to a U.S. government study, women's household income is going to fall by roughly 40%. 40. When they go through a divorce after age 50. While a man's household income may only drop by 20 to 25%. So their income is going to be significantly impacted. And keep in mind that these people are either retired, close to retirement, or maybe retired, but doing a what I call side hustle or you know something right. else. So retirement, the pension funds, those are a big component of what you'll be talking about. And that's where you know, negotiations obviously come into play so that both people can get half of that income. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I am so thrilled that you're here today. We have Linda Lingo back on. She's that smart cookie that taught me how to make money my best friend a couple of weeks back. So she's a financial advisor, a CPA, and she became a divorce coach because of what she went through. So Linda stood up for herself through some financial information years ago. Now she wants to empower women to do the same. So this week's episode talks all about gray divorce, what it is and what are some of the caveats that go along with a gray divorce? What are some things that you need to know, you know, if you're looking into a divorce and maybe you're over 50 or more going through a retirement? So she's got some great information. You're going to love it. It's filled with all kinds of things that you'll need to know. Welcome, listeners. I'm so happy today. I feel like I have an, a friend, an old friend coming back, Linda Lingo. She was the gal, and I think it was the March 21st episode. She taught me how to make money, my best friend. <laughs> so I will be grateful to her forever for that. Linda's got so much knowledge and, you know, financially and divorce wise. And Linda, I know some of our listeners already know you from the past podcast, but can you just tell your story a little bit and what led you to help women, you know, maybe, maybe mature women with finances, and then we'll go into talking about gray divorce. Yeah. Glad to. Thank you, Lisa, for having me back. I love it. Yes. I feel like I am back with a friend. And uh, I appreciate that very much. So, well, I've always been in money and finance, but what changed my life was when I had a meeting with my financial advisor and I was 49 at the time <clears throat> and I was having my annual meeting, you know, my annual checkup. Yeah. And uh, anyway, went in there with my um, statement. I had a few questions. Now, keep in mind, I'm a CPA and I have an MBA in finance, so I know numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was asking 
a question. You know, we had general conversation. Then I asked him a specific question about one of my investments and he couldn't answer it. And so I am thinking to myself, oh, it must be me. I must be asking it in the wrong way or wording it incorrectly. And so, you know, I asked him again and, you know, using different words and he still couldn't answer me. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, I must, I must really not be getting across to him. And so I tried a third time and that was when he leaned over his very dark mahogany desk and put his hand on top of my arm and said, honey, as long as you do what I suggest, you will be just fine. That did not work very well. <laughs> There's a lot of four-letter words going through my mind. Yeah. I will not repeat, and I didn't say to him. But I gathered my papers up, and I stood up, and what do we do? And I thanked him, you know, <laughs> and I thanked him. And as I'm walking out of his office, I thought, I am never going to be back in this office, number one. Number two, I don't want other women to have the same kind of conversation. Be It was so condescending. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it made my, it still does. Every time I tell my story, it makes my skin crawl. And I went home and I Googled how to be a financial advisor. I thought I can do, I passed the CFP exam the first time. I can certainly figure this one out. And I did. And so I, I became a financial advisor. I, I did my, um, all of my tests and got certifications and I became a financial advisor. And my mission was to help women understand their investments. And the longer I was a financial advisor, the longer I realized that women wanted education before they made a decision, especially an investment decision. But, and so after 10 years as a financial advisor, and I had a great practice, but I, financial advisors did not get paid to educate. Yeah. They got paid to do the investing. And so I decided, you know, i you know, it's been great. I've learned a lot. I've helped a lot of people. I felt really good about that. But I really want to help women. I want to educate them so that they really understand. And then when I became a financial coach, so that was my transition, I realized that there's two sides to money. And we talked about this a little bit last time. I don't want to spend too much time, but there's the EQ and the IQ, the emotional side and yeah. the intelligent side. And so I just love uh, coaching women on all aspects of money. And having gone through a great divorce myself, I was married 40 years, I really want to be that light and show women that there's hope. And there's more than hope. And there's more than surviving a divorce. You can thrive after a divorce. And that's my message I would like to leave with your listeners. So every time I'm like, see, I know why I love this lady. And Linda, you are a light. You truly are. And I, I just love what you're doing. Yeah, it just it's touching to me and I understand how you felt because I too want to figure things out and starting this business. I had a lot of I'm not going to call them good old boys, but maybe <laughs> telling me, "Oh, don't worry about the SEO, just let us take care of it, you know, give us your money." And I said, "No. Nope. I need to and I understand every aspect of my business and I just sat and figured it out." then I might be ready to hand off something when I know how to do it. So I, I knew, yeah, I, I love that about you. And I think it's really empowering for women, you know, when they can feel that way about their finances and we all can. Yeah. So 
Yes. So today's we're kind of, we could, I could have you on over and over again. So we'll probably have another one with you, but today we're going to talk a little bit about gray divorce. And I have questions for you about it too, because I just, you know, I've been sitting here doing my divorces and I think, isn't it interesting that I have so many people my age or even older who are now going through a divorce. In fact, almost 50% of the people that I'm helping are over 40. Isn't that interesting? And so I want, and I saw you speak on this a little bit on a video that I saw on LinkedIn. So first of all, Linda, why don't you like give us the definition? What is gray divorce? Yeah. So it's actually came out of research and it's a term that refers to adults 50 and older and going through a divorce. So that's, that's it. And typically it's a longer lasting marriage that they are now getting divorced. And the term was coined based on research and it's called the gray hair demographic. And it is uh, adults 15 older. So that's the technical, that's the age. So it's 15 over is called the gray divorce. And um, they have a couple, it's very prevalent now, like you were saying, Lisa, that a, a great, at least half of your clients are 40 and over. Actually one in 10, uh, people getting divorced now are 65 and over and the 65 and over. And it's become more prevalent, I think, because of COVID, but divorces in general, I think are are on the rise because of that. But in the research, what it was showing was that people up to age 50, that demographic divorce wise was declining and 50 and over is increasing, and 65 and older is actually the most prevalent divorce. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I find it so interesting. I have these retired couples, mm-hmm. and I think, oh, that's hard. You And, you know, you've been through it. You were married 40 years, did you say? That's a yeah. long, long time. Yep. So, when we're, you know, and it's so interesting to me because I try to figure out, well, why, why would that be? that more people, and you said COVID maybe, well, then I started thinking, is it because there's more people that age now? Well, um, that could be part of it. But I think what we typically see or what the research is showing us is that couples are typically married 20 years or more. So that's Mm -hmm. another aspect. Some say they've simply grown apart. The other thing I think we're seeing is the stigma of divorce no longer exists like it did for, say, my parents' generation. Right. And it typically happens after uh, they become empty nesters. So the kids are out of the house. And they often realize that was actually what was keeping them together was the kids. Yeah. And the other thing that they're seeing is due to a longer lifespan, you know, couples are finding that, you know, they have 20, 30 more years to live and they don't want to do it unhappily. Yeah. And the other surprising fact is women are two times more likely to file for divorce than men. Can I add something that I heard about that, which is really interesting because it makes sense. So it's not always that the woman is instigating the divorce. It's often that you get the call from the woman because they're the one who finally takes care of it. So maybe, and I really did hear this. I can't even remember who I heard this from. I was like, well, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So even if the man has moved on, is living somewhere else, has a new woman in his life, 
And I don't mean this anything against men, but it is interesting. And then I know in my house, that's how it would work. Yeah. Because the I would be the one to get it done. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's something that you've heard or if you have a different take on it. I think women are realizing that they don't have to accept life the way it's been. And once the kids leave, and this was true for me too. I mean, 40 years, I had my children later in life because I was a career woman. And once the kids were out, it was like, oh my God, do I want to, you know, do I want to live 20, 30 more years with this man? And there was a lot of other things that were going on, but the answer was no. And I think women are now realizing that there is life after after marriage. And um, and like I said, the stigma I think is is gone. And so many of them just say they, they've lost the spark or they aren't the same people they were when they got married. You know, most of these people were probably married in their, you know, early to mid twenties. Right. And so, you know, 30, 40 years later, and they, they just don't want to be unhappy for the rest of their life. And women do tend to live longer than men. And I think it's, you know, what else is not, not looking for another man per se. It's just really finding who they, finding out who they are after being a mom and a wife and maybe a career woman. And it's like, who am I? And I know that was my case too. Right. And you know, when you say it that way, it just makes it sound empowering, you know, like they're empowered to make these new decisions. Um, And so that could be part of it too. And then I always can't help but wonder too, are less people getting married? And so maybe that has something to do with why, I mean, there's probably an array of things, but it's definitely happening and they're definitely finding me. So that's why I'm thought this is, this is going to be a really, really good topic. So I was going to ask you too. So like as a, like a legal professional or a mediator, is there anything that I should do or say in this process? I mean, I think you have insights into what you went through and a female your age going into this. Do you have advice on that? Yes, of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest impacts is that, and it's according to a U.S. government study, women's household income is going to fall by roughly 40%. 40. When they go through a divorce after age 50. While a man's household income may only drop by 20 to 25%. So their income is going to be significantly impacted. So that is definitely something to take into consideration when you're talking to your clients and walking them through that. And keep in mind that these people are, are, are either retired, close to retirement, or maybe retired, but doing a, what I call side hustle or, you know, something else. So (laughs) retirement, the pension funds, those are a big component of what you'll be talking about. And that's where, you know, negotiations obviously come into play so that both halves, both people can get half of that income. Spousal support will probably be coming into play, especially if they were a traditional married. How does that work? Because I really haven't dealt with that too much yet because they're getting, you know, it's, it's hard when you're retired to set up spousal maintenance. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where I think you talk about the retirement Mm -hmm. funds. I mean, that probably is a really good big place to start. 
Absolutely. And, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's pensions, which are depending on the pension. And in my divorce, I actually called in a specialist because, well, for a variety of reasons, but it was worth it to call in a specialist on that type of retirement pension, because I wanted to make sure that we were dividing it the right way. That was most beneficial for both of us, not just me, but for both of us. Right. And then the retirement accounts too, and those can be qualified like a 401k or an IRA. And those you have to be so careful tax wise. And being a you know CPA, I'm very cognizant of that. And you want to make sure that if they're divided, it's two things are taken into consideration. First of all, that's pre-tax money. So if you're balancing or you're trying to balance the equation, you have to remember it's pre-tax. And if you're balancing it with something that's that's post-tax, after tax, they're, they're not equal. So the dollar amounts are not the equal. You have to take that taxation into consideration. The other thing- Right, is, and I just want to add to that. So when you do a spreadsheet and you're dividing the assets up, when I help people with this, what looks like equal on paper can be completely different when you do the before and after tax value. So I always tell people to make sure that they're looking at that because a retirement benefit does not equal liquid assets that you can spend. Absolutely. And the other thing to consider is these people probably have a lot of equity in their home, mm -hmm. if it's had a home, or it may be free and clear if they're retired. And the number one mistake I see women making is wanting to keep the family home. And it's usually for sentimental reasons yeah. because, I mean, I was divorced in California, which is a 50-50 state. Y you have to take out a pretty large home equity, you know, line of credit or loan against the property in order to pay him for his half of the house. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got a mortgage. And then the question is, do you need this big house? I mean, who needs a four bedroom house if there's just you? I mean, you know, Linda, I'm so glad you're you're talking about this because I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Tammy Wallensack, who talked about this exactly, but a little bit of a different scenario where she was saying that she went through a divorce. She had kids. She was a mom and she was a professional and she could afford to keep the home. And she thought that was everything she wanted. She wanted to keep it so bad. She did everything she could. She was so stressed out because it was so expensive and the kids had all kinds of things that she had to pay for that she found she wished she would have sold it, lived in a, and she did eventually, but she wished she would have never even kept it because it was so much less stressful. And Linda, I thank you for bringing that up because I can see where that happens, but you need to be cognizant of all the to-dos wrapped into what you have to do to maintain that home. Totally the costs associated with it, that it may not be worth it. And maybe like a fresh step is, is going to be amazing. Yes, absolutely. Well, and, and I want to make other one other point, and then I want to come back to that. When anyone's, and you see this all the time, Lisa, when people are going through divorce, whether it's an amicable mediation or whether you're drug into court umpteen times, like I was, because my ex was an attorney. Um, but irregardless, it's an emotional time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I did not realize this until after the fact, and this is something I wish I would have known. And I actually have in a free resource that I want to offer your listeners, but I, I wish I would have given myself time 
to understand the emotional aspects and divorce and separate it from the numbers. Yes. Because it's so easy to get those two totally, you know, whipped up together that the emotional decision is, oh my gosh, this is my home. This is where I raise my kids. You know, this is where I have all my stuff, you know, goodbye stuff. I was never so, I never felt so free as when I sold my, you know, all my stuff in my big house. But anyway, it's- So you felt freedom. Mm. Now, do you think that you kind of took control of having that mindset? Because you probably could have had a pity party. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, the emotional side is it's very easy to be the victim, whether you're the one that initiates the divorce or not. Right. It's, oh, you know, look what happened to me. Poor me. I'm in a situation. I have half the income. I mean, one of the reasons I stayed in my divorce for at least five years longer than I should have, I knew my retirement numbers. I was the financial advisor. Right. I knew what my retirement would look like. I knew the numbers. I knew the lifestyle. And it kept, I'm embarrassed to say, although not anymore, I've owned it. I stayed in the marriage for five years longer thinking I could fix it. Yeah. Never fix somebody else. And knowing what the numbers were. And it wasn't until I accepted the fact that it wasn't going to work and that I could live on half of that income and that I could be very comfortable in, you know, something different. That's when the freedom came. Right. So it's through kind of the knowledge mm-hmm. of really understanding your finances. Yeah. Okay. I have one question I have to go back to because it's okay. kind of um, in my mind. So you talked about the pension and how you wanted to make sure. And I, I will say pensions are tricky and I am not a financial expert. I have really good software. And I can go in and I can find the exact value of that pension, which is really an interesting. You probably know more about it than I do. But you talked about the pension in your situation and making sure that it was. Can you just clarify that a little bit? Making sure that it was, was it an equal split? Is that what you were concerned about? Yes. I mean, there's more than one way to take it. You can take it over your life. You can take it over both lives. You can take it over your life plus your beneficiaries' lives. So there's different ways to calculate the income. And you, once you, at least in, on this pension, once you made a choice, you couldn't go back and change it. So I knew it would be worth my while and my dollar to hire a specialist who could give me all of the scenarios. Yes. So I had the information to then make the decision. So who did you hire that gave you all that information? He was actually a specialist. It was CalPERS and he was a CalPERS um, pension specialist. Okay. Because essentially you kind of break them apart and each have your own pension, right? Yes, but there's a difference in how you break them apart. It depends on if you're retired, if you're not retired, if you're currently working. So there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know to know that there are people that can help you with that. You know what I mean? Even if you don't know all the details, sometimes just having an expert to help you and explain it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is, is, so worthwhile. The other thing I want to mention is, and this comes into the 
the finances Mm -hmm. is if there is alimony or spousal support and it's for a number of years, you may want to consider taking out a life insurance policy, being the owner, the beneficiary. So on, on, and you're guaranteeing or you're insuring the life of the person who's paying the money. So the, say, say the, the husband is supposed to be paying the wife uh, spousal support for say 10 years. It might be worthwhile to take out a 10 year life insurance policy on him so that you're guaranteed income for at least 10 years. Well, it's interesting. Absolutely. And in fact, um, every one of the agreements that I help people with, actually the person who is paying Mm -hmm. the spousal support must have life insurance in the amount to cover what they would owe. And it can go down over time. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I want to make sure though, that the person who is insured, the life you're insuring but the person who would be receiving those funds is actually the owner of the policy so that um, they have control of the policy. What I've seen is um, say the husband has the policy on himself, Uh but he doesn't pay the premiums. So it lapses, which means it's in default and then it's no good. So you have to be careful who, who owns who's the beneficiary of what life you're insuring. Okay, well, that's an interesting way to look at it that I haven't thought of. What we do is we usually have the backup of getting it from the estate, mm-hmm. but then what if there's nothing in the estate, right? Yeah. So that, yeah, that's a great point. I love that. Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com different. Okay, I can't believe how fast this went. <laughs> Sorry. We're off to and return the Saddle Up segment. So, Linda, you know the Saddle Up segment is where we give one little tidbit, one little piece of advice or something that people can do right now moving forward that will help them, you know, today. Do you have a little, so you've given us so much and I mean, it could even be your free resource that I'm going to have in the show notes, but is there anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, definitely my free resource, but I would say, um, get your team around you. 
And by your team, I mean, your, you know, it's have a therapist. I mean, I have spent so many hours in therapy, but it saved my life, mm -hmm. literally. Um, have a financial coach. Have a, a trusted mediator like yourself. Have, you know, get that team around you so you don't feel like you're doing this by yourself because mm -hmm. it is an emotional time. And when you have people who are experts in their fields, they can help you to make I want to say good decisions, wise decisions that you will thank them for later. They might be difficult decisions as you're going through it, but they could save you in the long run. Mm -hmm. And then you get to, I love that you get to look back and go, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. Which Linda, you're sitting here. That's how you feel. Isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. A beautiful life. You yeah. I mean, a new home, you're near your grandchildren. We were chatting before, but so, yeah. So I so appreciate you spending the time with us, My pleasure. sharing what you've learned and helping other women going through it. Mm -hmm. Definitely a great resource. And I, that free resource is going to be in the show notes for all our listeners. And if they're needing financial coaching, absolutely give Linda a call. So Linda, thanks for being here. I know I'm going to have you back. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective, and it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 